Well, I think the first thing I recognized uh, in this new role um, is nobody's nobody's coming to save you, mm. and and you you are the they that you you're waiting on as as a vice president. You're you're the they. You are the doer. Hello, Lauren. Hi, Kelsey Finn. How are you? I am well. Are you ready for another episode of Campus Confidential? I am ready. It's a good day. It's a sunny day. We have great guests. I'm really excited to uh, to have this episode air. Yeah. And this episode is a little different than what we've normally done. You want to tell the audience what we did? Yeah, we had a, a, a great time at the NASPA conference, the student affairs or a student affairs conference in Boston. We uh, recorded with an audience, uh, two really, really outstanding guests and uh, Dr. Jim Hoppy and Bernard Little. So it'll be a lot of fun uh, for folks to hear this today, I think. I agree. I think we were... Uh... We had some laughs and we had some great insights from both of them. And I I think when I think about conferences in general, they've been very important to my career and my network and um, my learning along the way as a professional. Where did you start your conference going experience and what has that been like for you over the years? Yeah. Well, I was pretty lucky. Um, I went to my first professional conference as a graduate student, and I was lucky to have people that took me, people who had been networked into the to the profession and took me and introduced me to other people. And I've thought a lot about that over the years as I've taken, taken uh, you know, early career staff, young staff, graduate students as well. What about you? How, how was your, what was your early experience like? I started at the state level when I was in Illinois. There was an Illinois state... Association for Students, Student Affairs People. Can't remember the name. That's terrible. But <laughs> maybe it was to, called to, that. Maybe. To your point, it was uh, in grad school, started the experience. And then really, ACUI was the first professional association that I spent my time, started volunteering. And then, of course, NACUS. Long history. Yeah, then you were Marcus. responsible for the <laughs> for the professional development that we all uh, benefited from. Yeah, that was um, one of the best honors of my career was the six years I spent as the CEO at NACUS, really behind the scenes and what it takes in thinking about bringing to life the professional development experience for the people doing the work. When you were responsible for for the conference, NACUS, where did you go to get what you needed when you were a, a professional in the in the field? Well, I feel like uh, any good association has an association for the association. So uh, <laughs> there's a thing called CHIMA, which is the Council of Higher Ed Association Management Groups. So every higher ed association executive, um, we would meet twice a year. And we would talk about kind of where the industry is going, the offerings we have, how we could work together. So that was one. The Association for Association Executives also had mm -hmm. um, learning. And then I would attend other higher ed association conferences, leadership uh, events. I really think to just stay abreast of what was happening in higher ed. Mm-hmm. You know, when you mentioned association for associations, I, I was laughing to myself because I once worked at a university that had a committee on committees and, the, <laughs> and, and their job was to basically approve more committees. You know, that was the role. So 
redundant. I think I guess. those are more common. Uh, NACUS has a committee on committees. Oh, okay. Maybe it's <laughs> yeah, more yeah. common than I thought. <laughs> it's a great one. So, um, what do you think is one nugget from today's conversation you're excited for people to hear? Well, one of the there were a few things really that st- struck me, and I I don't want to ruin how people might hear the episode, but but they both talked about preparing to go home. We prepare a lot for going to work, prepare a lot for a professional career, prepare a lot for the things we're going to face during the day, but how important it is to actually do that same preparation to go home for the people you care about, the, for the people caring for you. And that that really struck with me. I probably have not done that well or well enough over the years, and that was that was pretty important to me. What did you hear? Yeah, I would add to that of... Um to be present when you get home and not um, leave the pieces for home, to be whole when you get home again. I think that was really important. The other thing that I would add is I think it's becoming more and more clear that there's not one path to leadership. Mm, Yeah. That everyone has a different path, a different story, a journey. Some have similarities or commonalities, but there's not one clear path. And I love that. I think that comes out loud and clear here in the yeah, conversation. Different today. paths, but but the same passion for people and students and learning and community building. So <clears throat> I agree. I, I heard that too. And I loved that they talked about their families. Uh, so the blending of career is, you know, work and life together. And I just I loved how they they did that in this episode too. Well, we hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed doing it live at NASPA 2023. Here's the episode of Campus Confidential. So welcome, a small but mighty group of people. Um, This is our first live recording of Campus Confidential, The Secrets to Higher Ed Leadership. We started this podcast really um, thinking about working in higher ed is hard, and we wanted to create a place that would create community and connection even when you're not at a conference. So maybe you're driving home after a long day and you're like, I just need to feel a certain way. We hope you can tune in uh, and it lifts your spirits. We also really think the rhetoric around higher education has been so negative for so long. And we're hoping this is a a positive light uh, in the conversation of higher education and the work we're all doing um, in that space. We've seen this um, also be an interesting place for the people, our guests, to create a little bit of legacy, um, to really tell their story, talk about their journeys, uh, the impact that they've had. And so I think that's been an unintended outcome that I just absolutely um, love and makes it all worthwhile. So I'm Kelsey Harmon Finn. I'm one of the co-hosts of Campus Confidential. I work for Compass Group. So let's get started officially. So again, I'm Kelsey Harmon Finn. I spent 20 years um, in higher education working on college campuses. I was always a part of student affairs, but I did, but that's so weird, auxiliary services. So the money side um, of all the pieces, um, Illinois State, UNLV, UC Berkeley. And then for six years, I was the CEO of NACUS, which is the National Association of College Auxiliary Services. So excited to be here with you all. And Lauren, how about you introduce everyone else? Good morning. Uh, Really, really happy to see you here this morning. As Kelsey said, this is the first time we've done this live. 
Uh, we've now um, have five episodes that have dropped, the latest being just yesterday. So we hope that you get a chance to listen to it. Um, my name is Lauren Rollman. Uh, I serve as the director of higher education for Workshop Architects, which is a, a planning strategy and design firm specializing in student life. Uh, but I'm not an architect. I spent 32 years in higher education, all student affairs, um, almost half of my career at the University of Michigan uh, in Ann Arbor, and then wrapped up uh, about a year, a little over a year ago as chief student affairs officer. And so I come to this work, I tell you this because I come to this work like Kelsey with a deep and abiding appreciation for who you are, for what you do, for the demands on your time, the impact that you make, the way you care for students in the community. And we come to this podcast and we come to this conference with a real desire, as Kelsey was getting at, to lift up the stories and the people um, and the impacts that you are making and the people in higher education are making uh, around, around the country, really around the globe. So it's our hope that this podcast is not only a way to highlight those stories, those people, um, but also create a bit of a community. Um, I think I might have been the one who's supposed to bring the coffee for the coffee talk that I'm sorry. Um, but we hope that this is a community like a coffee shop where you'll find inspiration, colleagues, humor, insight, advice, uh, and just friends and colleagues in higher education. So we hope you'll tune in because that's really what we're striving for. Uh, the cards that Kelsey mentioned, um, we would also like to know what you'd like to hear and maybe even people that you'd like to hear from on this podcast as we go forward. But I'm delighted that we have these two individuals with us today. Uh, I want to introduce them, and I'm not going to say very much because I want the stories to be what's part of the podcast rather than me trying to provide all the bio and the story and the history of each of them. But uh, the first here right immediately on my left is Dr. Bernard Little, who is the Vice President for Student Life, or Student Affairs rather, at Prairie State College in Chicago since I think just January, is that right? January. Since January, so new to that role, not new to the profession. Previously, had been at Wabonzi Community College, DePaul University, both in Chicago, uh, University of Illinois, Chicago, University of Chicago, uh, and um, Miami University and University of Richmond. Right. Is that right? That's right. So we're really, really pleased to have uh, Bernard with us today. And sitting next to Bernard is uh, Dr. Jim Hoppy, who's the Vice President and Dean of Campus Life at Emerson College right here in uh, Boston. Uh, been there since 2016, 2016 at Emerson. Previously, uh, McAllister College in St. Paul, uh, Minnesota, the University of Puget Sound in Tacoma, St. Louis University in St. Louis, and Northwestern University in Chicago. So between these two really superb colleagues and insightful friends, um, they have almost 50 years of experience, and uh, that's across 12, I think I counted, right, 12 institutions. So um, really, really pleased that you're both with, with us uh, today. So thank you. Really Thanks for having us. It. Appreciate thank it. Thank you very much. 50 years of experience, yeah. how did that drop that mic? Um, two comments, one, I'm impressed Lauren has these cards and the writing on them seems really small. And I, I mean, I can't see that. It's 14. So, oh, okay, yeah. good. Um, the other thing is, Lauren, were you and Jim roommates? Is that right? How do you no, know? No, we, okay. we were in the same cohort at Indiana University in the higher ed program. Way back. But 12, how many, let's see, 26, 2015. And then he went right to Emerson. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we might need some cohort stories. Yeah. Well, let's start with, um, why don't you, Jim, start and tell us, how do you describe your job to a rideshare driver? Oh. Um, so I, I tell them that I have a responsibility to support 
these different offices as we work with students to make sense of what happens in the classroom and out of the classroom. And then they look at me like, huh? Um, <laughs> and so, and then I try to fill in with stories about, you know, here's some examples, you know, when students live in residence halls or they participate in activities, um, all the way to thinking about what they want to do with their life and helping them thread all their experiences together into their own story. Love it. How about you, Bernard? I lie. <laughs> I never tell Uber drivers uh, what I do for a living. I always say I'm a consultant from California. That always gets you. Is that really uh, what you're saying? Always, always. They're dropping me off at my house. That's creepy. Uh, but, but no, no. What I really say, I mean, uh, Prairie State College is, is a, a um, community college. And I always say we strive to be the community's college, uh, mm. the source of knowledge and education and really if there's something that you're interested in you're passionate about uh, we want to to help you see that through and so i help students and students being students of all ages um, at any point in their career educational journey uh, discover what their passions are um, i get to do that for a living yeah Just, adulting helping yeah. people adult that's right that was a conversation i had this morning we're just helping people adult. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's great. <laughs> My favorite uh, ride chair driver once, he was studying to be a WWE wrestler. Mm. And we learned that there's actually a school oh. that you go to to become. Can you imagine being dean of students at that school? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> at the wrestling school? You help people school. pick costumes. They market themselves. They create a name. Oh, and then they learn all the moves. The conflict resolution job there would be an interesting <laughs> job. Yeah. <laughs> You get to put on a cape and show up yeah. in the in the ring with someone. That would be amazing. Well, some days I think what we do is pretty similar. Pretty, right? so yeah, that's maybe probably true. Yeah. We so. Well, that's a student organization. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Create your uh, character name, if you if you will. So um, let's back up. How did you get into the field? Like what started, Bernard? Let's start with you. What? Sure. Yeah. Um, I was a freshman at Bowling Green State University in Ohio and um, got introduced to student affairs. Um, my vice president at the time, Ed Whipple, a very, very exciting and passionate man for student affairs. And, and he said, you know, I want to send you to this thing called leadership. Um, and I said, what is leadership? And he said, just go. I attended leadership um, and it was just an incredible experience. Uh, six day Institute had a, a really remarkable experience of learning who I was and, and really searching for, for who my why, my passion. And that led me to interact with a lot of college professionals at leadership. And I said, y'all do this for a living. <laughs> and they said, we do this for a living. And so after that, I said, I, I'm interested. I'd always been interested in education, um, but leadership was sort of my uh, foundation. And from there, I had some great access to mentors by, uh, by way of our vice president and others and, and decided that student affairs was, was what I wanted to do. And so it's actually freshman year of, of college. Um, I knew that I was going into student affairs and I've been here ever since. Made it easy in your career counselors. You knew right away. I knew right away. Yeah, that's right. Mm. I don't think I knew people worked at the university I attended until uh, <laughs> right before graduation. Maybe my senior right, year. Right. <laughs> Just say, okay. how about you, Jim? Tell us your story. I got in trouble a lot. Um, <laughs> I went to the University of New Mexico and um, my, I had a lot of fun and I thought I was the world's best practical joker. And um, 
finally had to go meet with the dean because I was in danger of being not able to be a student anymore. And um, what I really appreciated was she just, she treated me as somebody who needed to figure things out, not as a problem. And we had this long conversation and I ended up, before I left the office, applying to be an orientation leader. Mm -hmm. And that got me into this, you know, whole path. And I um, became an OL and I was in student government and I was an RA and I was in fraternity and all these student organizations. And I just, uh, I never, I just never quit interacting with the staff in the Dean's office and, you know, phenomenal role models. So Karen Glazer was the vice president at the time and Randy Boglin and Debbie Morris. Um, and I just had such incredible relationships, but kind of like you said, I didn't really even kind of pay attention to it until senior year. Uh, Karen took me to lunch and she's like, so what are you going to do with your life? And, uh, I was like, I'm kind of talking through things. And she said, have you ever considered going into student affairs? And I was kind of struck because um, I was so embarrassed that I didn't hadn't picked up on the fact that these people were doing this for a reason. I just thought I was lucky to <laughs> go to a college with a lot of cool people that worked at it. And uh, so we started um, talking about the process. I ended up going to Indiana University, which was her alma mater and uh, was the same cohort with Lauren. And uh, but yeah, it started by getting in trouble and um, learning how to make better choices as a result. What so. kind of trouble? Do you have a story you want to share? I feel like, uh, I feel like you need one. Come on, no, FERPA. Okay, well, he what... discloses. He self-disclosure. There's a non-disclosure. <laughs> yeah, um, so the names will be changed. Okay. Innocent. Yeah. How, you know, Jim, you just mentioned that she treated you not like a problem. What did you, how, say it again. You said she treated you. Not like a problem, but just somebody who needed some help figuring yeah. things out. Mm -hmm. Has that it's clearly stuck with you. How has that influenced how you've approached your your work? It, it's, it sticks with me all the time. Um, I To this day, I meet with anyone who's in danger of leaving the college, and we just have this conversation about what do you want to do, right? It's never too late to think about making another choice. Mm -hmm. um, you know, And even if it's a case where somebody has to leave because they've done something that's so egregious, it's like, use this as an opportunity to think about putting things back together, right? And so... But the, the importance of that relationship and the importance of seeing someone as a person, even when they've done some stuff you wish they hadn't, uh, is, is always stuck with me. Have you ever found an occasion where you've shared your story with a student who, as a as a, a way to humanize the what what they're going through, or, or is that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple times, especially um, in the last couple of years, uh, and most folks resonate with it some folks don't right but that's their choice mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. but um it, it's helped There's a couple times we've had to tell people they they can't be a student for a while yeah and uh um but what I, I share that story you know in terms of you know we're not going to give up on you you know don't give up on yourself yeah yeah let me ask what what are you facing in your roles right now that you didn't expect maybe when the year started or when you started the role what are you facing now that's a surprise and where do you turn or maybe to whom do you turn to what do you turn to inform how to navigate through what you didn't expect and therefore maybe didn't prepare for does that make sense as a question like what are you facing and where do you look for some guidance bernard's like jim you go you go <laughs> we know it, it what i'm trying to think of is over the last couple of years in particular it's it's you're you're just you know you're going to be surprised so sometimes it doesn't even stand out mm -hmm. you know the um yeah the who would have thought um four years ago that i would could talk in for 40 minutes about wastewater and how you <laughs> right you know, i never thought that was going to be something i would have to learn um so but i think it, maybe that's the that's the difference now is 
just knowing that in this role, you, you have to be nimble and you have to be ready to respond really quickly. Um, and then that it helps having good colleagues and people you can turn to. So. so you turn to the folks around you at work primarily to help you with everything from wastewater to uh, yep. wayward decisions and... Yeah, so I've, I'm really lucky at Emerson. I have a phenomenal team. Um, Peggy Barr, when I worked at Northwestern, mm. told me, uh, you know, you're, 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 how'd she put it? I mean, you always need to hire people smarter than you to do jobs. And I remember looking at her going, uh-oh. <laughs> Hopefully you don't think I'm smarter than you. <laughs> but um, that's another lesson that's always stuck with me. And uh, so I, I have people I trust that I can t go to and people both on the team and then other colleagues on the President's Council that, you know, it's, I'm a big believer in picking up the phone and just, Kind of talking through things and getting people. Mm -hmm. How about you, Bernard? You know, I think what we're facing, or and similar to Gemma, it's it's the unexpected, right? We just don't know what what is coming at us. But I would say transitions have been a big piece of um, the job, and and whether it's executive level transitions, losing colleagues, um, who you know, I started, and and folks are already transitioning off, and so how do I? Um, build these relationships with new colleagues, run searches. Um, and then the other piece I would say is I um, work with a lot of, of course, in, in student affairs, a lot of support staff and the challenges that they are experiencing with um, work-life balance and um, their roles and, and new job descriptions and um, just the mindfulness that they're bringing to the table um, has been really eye-opening. Um, when I was a new professional, even mid-level professional, it was, you know, we had this sort of model, right? You work, work, work. And you don't ask any questions. And maybe that was problematic. Well, no, it was problematic. But um, And they're telling us, right, that that is problematic and we need to do better um, at understanding their needs and, and compensation and time and all those things. And so um, having to learn and relearn sort of those expectations um, has been really eye-opening. And and, and doing that, recognizing, right, that um, people aren't leaving. They're staying at institutions. And so we're going to have to invest in their development and we're going to have to invest in, in getting them the things that they need in order to thrive, but also setting out some pretty clear expectations um, and um, not being not being liked always. Mm. And, and that's yeah. that's been tough. It's been because I it's hard. People like me. Yeah. Um, at least I thought they did. Uh, and, and that's been it's. But the reality is, and I always say um, I have good friends who always say it's not about being liked. It's about being respected. Right. If you can your decision can be respected. Right. You were fair um, and consistent. That that made a difference. And so I'm, I'm learning to lean in more to them. Jim, look like you had a comment there. Right. One of the things I always tell folks is um, I can promise you that I have never once in my life woke up in the morning intending to piss you off, <laughs> but right. I can guarantee I will. Yep. Right? And, uh, and it is, it's about that, that sense of respect. And, um, you know, again, you the same, I guess, maxim that goes with working with students is true for staff and other people. Right. Yep. And so people can have disagreements. I vent about people all the time. Right. And mm -hmm. I still respect them. So um, it's, uh, yeah, it's just about trying to, to keep that core focus. Bernard, can you say more about the development of staff, right? I think your point around we used to just work, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to work until a job gets done. Um, I, I worked to the point where I was on the bathroom floor where my legs weren't moving because my back was so hurt mm -hmm. because of work. It's like, okay, well, this can't be what the future holds. Right. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I think you're you're on to something mm-hmm. <laughs> about mm-hmm. um, how are we moving forward in the future. So how are you finding in your role resources? What what things are you bringing to the table to help develop yourself and others? Well, I think the first thing I recognized uh, in this new role um, is nobody's nobody's coming to save you. Mm-hmm. And and you you are the they that you you're waiting on as as a vice president. You're you're the they. You are the doer, right? And so it's like I, I remember saying to some staff members, well, we just need to, you know, work out a development plan. And, you know, my dean, she said, Oh, who who's the we? <laughs> um, the royal we and I said, Yeah, right. Right. And um I realized that, you know, it's it's me, right? And I need to be thinking about this and and investing. There's always this thing I see on LinkedIn, um, usually once a year, and it says, uh, somebody asks a question, right? Well, what if we invest in and, and they leave? And and then the response is, what if we don't and they stay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reality is, right, we have had that mentality for some time. It's like we don't we don't want to put our, our our resources into that, but we need to, right? They they need it, they're yearning for it. But more importantly, be, beyond what they're desiring, staff, uh, they deserve it. We commit it to them, right? We need staff members uh, to run our enterprise. And so I'm recognizing that. Um, that development has to come come from within, and so I'm I'm going back to the basics um, and and uh, developing frameworks around how we do our work, how we approach our work, why that matters, um, and what that means. Right, having a shared understanding, and a lot of it is starting with talking and and having. So I've had a lot of intro meetings where I say I'm not talking about personnel. I'm not interested in personnel matters. I'm really interested in you as people um, and how we can help you be successful. And from there, we're starting to write some plans and these things like, you know, committees to focus on everything from the skills that we need, right? Technology is always a big piece. We have a lot of staff who um, struggle with that. And it's not as easy as just sending them to an Excel class, right? We have to be able to incorporate that. And so we have a technology committee that we're incorporating in our work and, and really helping us um, because we have some some workers who've been in the field for some time and and they don't want to present. They don't want to, to do things with technology because it is an embarrassment um, when they can't do what might seem as simple and normal. And so it's just recognizing that and, and being able to do that. So um, I, I was in a session yesterday and, and we talked about, um, you know, when you're a vice president, you want to be strategic, but oftentimes you find yourself in, a we- in the weeds. And in student affairs, we're in the weeds quite often because we are usually the people who are helping to, to solve the crises in the weeds so everything else can look good. And you have to find a way to get out of the weeds so you can be strategic. And so I'm getting up earlier um, and I'm going to bed later and, and I'm thinking a lot in, in the shower and I'm sending a lot of text messages to friends um, who are in, in like positions to really help me to sort of see this through and talk this through. And it's been really helpful and beneficial. But, yeah, that development is it's, it's my responsibility. And, and I have to do that. Um, and whether that is the financial, right, every, you know, conferences and um, virtual webinars, all of those things. But other things is, you know, talking and treating people like people, like humans. Mm-hmm. And I think we think sometimes that it's this this high level, right, that it has to be well thought out plans and stuff like that. Sometimes it's like, Jim, how are you doing? And, 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 and what does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. And being ready for that response. Yeah. 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 Jimmy, have anything to add before we? No, I think Bernard hit it right on the head. It's, um, but I, I do think though we're 
we're at a crossroads in student affairs. Um, you know, we, we recognize that staff can't work as much as we did mm -hmm. 20 years ago and that, the, that we need to think differently about what it means to come to work every day. And we're in a time when students are even more than ever seemingly needing and wanting these relationships and connections and, mm -hmm. um, you know, they want to be able to go to an office and find a person and they want to go and find you because they talked to you yesterday and mm -hmm. they, they connect with you. And, um, I'm not sure how we figure that out, but I know we have to. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I think it's an interesting time when we think about it. Um, I was actually in conversation with someone the other day about um, AI and chat and can AI take over jobs in higher ed? And I, I think about it from a perspective of maybe they can so that the humans can do the human work mm. and the transactional work can be done by technology and computers. And so how do we think about it in a way that it helps us become more humans connecting mm -hmm. so that there's that time and space and there's not someone in a corner reading 1,000 applications right. all the time, right? They're the person that's sitting down saying, hey, why do you want to be here? What is that connection point? So I think there's an interesting shift that's possible. It's just, are we willing are we willing to do it? And we we have to create the time for staff to be able to do those things, right. right? And um, and if you're like me, um, and I, I I'm not as as mature as Jim, I should say, but uh, <laughs> oh, wait, if you're like wait, me, wait. when you get one of those AI things, you you're immediately like representative, mm. representative, right? Yeah. Like I I want to talk to somebody even in the transactional <laughs> yeah. moments, so right? And like, get so yes. angry, just scream. I don't know why you have to scream it so loud because it's like you they heard have you. To scream it, yeah. You and do. then you're like punching a number zero zero zero, zero right. has to get to <laughs> a human, right? That's right. So let's shift a little and talk about your purpose right now. I feel like, um, right, when you get to this level, there has to be some sort of grounding in what you're doing. So what's your purpose right now and how does that show up in your work? So I'm, I'm, I, I'm not ready to retire, but I can see it from here. And so I've been thinking a lot about um, when I look back, what do I want to say I've done, right? You know, there was a, a what kind of environment do I want to create? And I, I feel good about the relationships I've had and um, you know, the, the, the students and staff from other institutions that I've kept in touch with and become great friends. And so, so there's that personal aspect of it. But at the same time, kind of thinking back to what we just talked about, um, I believe in this field, right? And even as frustrated as I've been at times over the last couple of years, I know how important the work is. And, and being at NASPA just reinforces that. Right. You see all these success stories and all these people who are working hard and just care so much. And I, I feel this responsibility to not for my legacy, but to help make sure that student affairs continues in whatever form is going to be beneficial in the future, because it, it is. I mean, student, students don't come to college for student affairs, but they stay and they have a better experience because of the work we do. And so, um, yeah, that's what I think about a lot now. What how do we set? ourselves up for success and set the staff we're working with now up for success so that in 20 more years, somebody can be at this microphone and talk about what challenges lie ahead. Yeah. Are you doing anything different in your day to day to kind of meet that objective? Is there something that you've shifted in your time or? Um, hmm, that's a good question. 
I think I try. You know, we have those days where you you start off. I, I hate the mornings when you get up and you're like, oh, I got three free hours because it's guaranteed. You know, that stuff is <laughs> something's coming always. Um, but I, trying to, you know, I've got a little notebook I keep by the side of my desk that is, you know, when there's a free moment, remind, remind myself that oh yeah, I got to work on this. And um, but I guess the overarching theme is just the, the connections, right? You know, trying to make sure that everything we're doing in the division makes sense in relation to everything else that's happening. In the division and the college. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I turned 38 on Ooh, January 1st. Um, and uh, you remember 38? <laughs> yeah. What were you doing um, at 38? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and it's. Um, it used to be something, especially into in spaces like NASPA, where you're the young one, and it's like uh, you don't really want to talk about that. Um, I'm not afraid to talk about that anymore, right? I, I've achieved a lot of good things, um, and it's because of people pouring into me. It's because um, I've really hustled hard, and so now that I'm here in this moment, um, I want to really stay in this moment, and I want to stay in this space. And you can get caught up a lot um, on ego, right, and, and climbing and, and all those things. And, and those things aren't purposeful and, and, and meaningful. Um, what grounds me is a few things. One, so my family is, is critically important to me. Um, I have two daughters who are 10 and 12, and they really don't care about the crises that are happening on campus. Um, they care if I'm there, if I'm present, um, and if I'm making a difference um, in their lives. Um, they want to go on vacations and they want to see the new John Wick movie, even though, no, we're not seeing it. But um, they, they want to do those things with their dad. That's important for me because I didn't have a father growing up. So my father wasn't present in my life. And so being present for my daughters is something that's um, just really meaningful to me. And it grounds me. My partner um, is also really um, meaningful to me and, and how I support her work. Um, she is a, a finance executive at the Federal Reserve. And um, she reminds me all the time that she's not a traveling spouse. So we're going to have to figure this out and we're going to have to do that together. Um, and so that's important for me. Um, but the people, right? So I have the position, right? I have the PhD. I have those things. And the people um, is really what grounds me. And, and I think our field, we need folks who um, care about the people. And what I mean by that is we need folks who are going to make outreach and, and who are going to listen and who are going to return phone calls and emails um, and be present for folks, uh, not walk around at NASPA looking at name tags, but looking in their eyes and saying, how are you and, and how can I help and how can I support? All of those things are, are really critical and, and important. And how can I do that. And I have some years to do that, right? I don't plan to retire anytime soon. Um, and I have some time. Um, I've had these experiences. And so how can I now give back? And that's why I entered the field. I entered the field because um, it was this vice president and then a dean of students who um, made a um, anonymous donation into my financial aid account that allowed my um, balance to go from uh, you know negative to to positive, so that I can make it to the next year um, and not have to ask in an embarrassing way because I didn't know how I was going to get the money. And so, how can I give back? And how can I be purposeful? And so, I'm figuring that out. And 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 it's not the position, it's not um, you know the degree or anything like that. It really is just pouring into people and and figuring out what that means. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, Bernie. You talk about your kids. Um, I remember one time when my, one of my sons was very little and he wanted to make sure that I 
took him to the amusement park mall of america like i'd promised and he buried the pager in the backyard um so he wait he pager up. yeah that's know, just right? okay that's, okay that's, that's well right all right yeah. Yeah. jim is more mature yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tilt that 50-year experience yeah. Yeah. um but then as they got older um one of my kids came up one night and goes let's let's come up with a code word you know when you've had a really tough day at work you know and then you come home and we're all over you about whatever you know what's the word so that at least we know right you know that you've had some other stuff going on and i thought you know how insightful that was but mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but it also then it each one of those reminders was like okay yeah that's that's a good a good reminder to me to, to remember what's important mm -hmm. right that this job is great but uh, my family was forever and um you know so it's it's it was helpful to get those reminders from time to time yeah. it's good to have people that are uh love you and are less impressed with your title and responsibilities right. and just tell you where i need yeah. you here uh -huh. yeah that's great you you've talked so much ab about people and people that have been influential um in your lives and careers i i wonder and i don't know if you use the word mentor but what the image in my head was these are people that have mentored you and i i wonder um i wonder if you have advice for people that find themselves in a mentoring role i'm going to submit that there's probably as much bad mentoring is or as good mentoring. <laughs> and so therefore, do you have, given your experiences or the mentoring you do or have received, do you have advice for people to find themselves in mentoring roles, in a position to really profoundly influence uh, others in higher education or anywhere? Listen more than you talk. That's right. right? It's mm -hmm. not about us, it's about the person's experience that you're, you're interacting with. Um, and I think back to the mentors have been the most impactful for me and they, um, it's not that they didn't share their experiences, but they they fully understood what I was going through before they mm -hmm. whipped mm -hmm. out. Here's what I want to tell you. Here's what you mm -hmm. should do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Listening certainly much more, um, and and not not being full of yourself. Right? Um, there is this 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 verse um, that says, "Those who um, are exalted will be humbled, and those who are humble will be exalted." And 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 what that reminds me of is, you know, don't call yourself a mentor, right? Mm -hmm. Just, yeah. just do it, yeah. right? Don't, do it. don't, don't be so caught up on that and how many you have because um, we, we, we all are busy and we all have folks who are looking to us and, and who need us, and so just being there and being present, but also just being who you need needed um, when you were in those situations. I, I, there was many times, and even now today, right, like. Um, you're in a new job. I'm in this new job. And um, I there's a lot of I don't I don't know how to even ask that question. Um, but I'm also embarrassed sometimes to even call colleagues to ask that question because it's like this implied thing like you should know that. Why don't you know that? And why aren't you why are you in that position if you don't know that right yet? And, and the reality is none of us know mm -hmm. we don't yeah. know right this stuff we we make this up as we go we get more experience but every year and every situation is is different um than the last one and so you just you you gain more insight and 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 sort of more maturity but just that that mentorship piece is is you know doing being um writing back responding um giving your time because um, folks are really looking at you and then also protecting your time, I would say, right? Don't take on those responsibilities if you don't have the mm -hmm. time um, to do those things. And, and I'll say this about, you know, you, you brought up a great point, Jim, about family and, you know, the cold word and things like that. 
um, when I think about um, what we do to get ready in the morning, right, to prepare ourselves mentally, physically and emotionally to go into work and to do the things for the people. Um, I was at a conference once and they said, you know, you rarely do that to go home to your family. You don't you don't get ready oh, wow. that's such, um, that's really to, to go home. You you come home pretty exhausted um, and and then they just get what's left of you. And it's like, how are you preparing to go and, and face your family and to give them uh, what they deserve? And, and sometimes it's that family is a dog, right? Like how many times do we skip out on those walks because we're exhausted? Um, sometimes it's the partner. Sometimes it's, you know, uh, external family, whatever the case might be, but how are we preparing uh, mentally? And I think that ties into mentorship, right? This idea of, right, if you don't have to give, then certainly don't don't take it on. But if you've committed to that, making sure that you're you're all in. Yeah. yeah. Well, the most important ones evolve into relationships. They do. Mm-hmm. You know, they do. It's, um, you know, here, here at this conference, I have my, my core group of people that I can be really vulnerable with. Yeah. You know, that I don't, I might worry about what they're going to think of me, but I, you know, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I know they're going to tell me yep. directly what's important. Yeah, so, yeah. I also yeah. think when we talk a lot about we use the word mentor, and one thing I believe is really important right now, and would love you all to check me on this, is thinking about mentor, sponsor, mm-hmm. coach, being somewhat super intentional. I think Brad, you're the one that said this. It's like we don't need to collect mentors or mentees, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're not collecting people, and sometimes I think people will do that. Like That's I right. have. 10 mentors about, do you, what is that? Right. So I think there's mentors. I think there's sponsors, right? This idea that when I'm not in the room, someone is speaking on my behalf and Mm -hmm. elevating me or Mm -hmm. I'm doing that for other people. And then coach, right? We're, we're, we're in it. This is the team kind of thing. So I don't know. I yeah. hear a little amen here, so I feel, I feel validated. Thank yeah, there's, there's, that's good, actually. Uh, Jim and I had lunch earlier this, just by happen chance. We saw each other um, downtown, and uh, he's coming from a work event. And he said to me, he said, um, oh, there's there's this position that's open at this institution. And um, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and get, you know, we have a, a mutual um, acquaintance. I'm going to try and get him to apply. And he's like, oh, well. Well, I'm, I recommended him and it was like, <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to serve as this reference. Right. And that person. Right. So the, the position uh, reports to a vice president that's that's here. But the person that's applying for that role or, or will eventually apply for that role um, is not here. And so uh, we were sponsoring even without, you know, intentionally doing that. And and I have pulled that vice president aside multiple times and said, this person is a good person and I think you should consider um, and um, uh, top putting it top of your mind, and that's something that I did that was very intentional. Why? Uh, because it was done for me, right? Because it matters. And sometimes, right, um, when you hear from good people um, and you want to help elevate and support them because they are good and, and others need that, but we also rely on that, right? Like we have HR processes. And we follow those to a T and, you know, compliance is certainly important. Um, but sometimes you just don't know what you, you're getting. And so it, it helps, right, that that sponsorship to know. Because I, I I trust what Jim is saying, right? I, I've known Jim for some time. I trust that he can be getting. And this vice president that we were talking about, I, he trusts me. And so I can sponsor in that way. 
I think a coach, right? In coaching, I, I do a lot of this, um, but I also have some a lot of peer coaches, very similar to what Jim was saying. Um, this this group of people who are going to be like, no, nah, no, nah, Bernard, you, you were wrong. <laughs> you no, that was that was stupid. You shouldn't have you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have responded like that. And it's like, okay, I'll help you get out of this, but I just want to call you out and say, no, 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 that's not that's not what you should have done. And I think you you certainly need those people. Um, but then the mentorship, right? And, and it's, they're all important. And sometimes they can be all one person, um, but they they have separate responsibilities. I, I think the mentorship is also important too, because it's just someone who's solid, who you can you can trust, who you can go to when you need it. Um, I lost my brother last year, um, and it was a really really tough time. And I, I saw how losing him. Um, that was impacting me in my work. Um, and I am the oldest male and the second oldest child in my family of seven. And so I had to be strong for them. And it was like I looked to um, a certain group of folks who I could be vulnerable with and, and not be responsible and, and take you know my hair down and really just be, be real. Um, and that matters the most. And so you just never know what you're doing for someone, um, but you should be doing it intentionally. Yeah. yeah. And I think sharing your story, right? Appreciate mm -hmm. hearing um, you share that about yeah. your brother and, and your father and mm -hmm. earlier. And I think a lot of times when you get to a role of vice president, mm -hmm. president, you become these people that are not human. Mm -hmm. And then so I, I think bringing your whole your human self to yeah. the table in those conversations um, is key. So we do have Lauren, did you have a follow up question before I move on to audience? So uh, the first one's very important, Jim. It's for you. No. Um, so what's the code word? <laughs> my code word is banana peel. <laughs> and uh, my husband's code word was um, Snickers. Oh, mm -hmm. banana peel and Snickers. Mm -hmm. So even to this day, like if we accidentally say one of those words, the kids will look up, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Those are great words. <clears throat> and then. I um, hope your staff are listening. So when know, they right? say those words, yeah. it's like. Yeah. <laughs> You're running around the office going, banana peel, banana peel, banana peel. <laughs> They're used to it. Yeah. Now, the, now the code words have to get changed. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I was also thinking about you talking about the transition to home life. Now, I work from home when mm. I'm not traveling and that there's not that car time or that yep. downtime. So. As you're telling, like, what do you, what's your transition? I was sitting here thinking, <laughs> so like wandering around spastically in your house, right. like, not sure transition? if you're done with work or if you should start cooking dinner or go for a walk. Is that, is that healthy transition? I, listen, whatever you need to do, <laughs> go, go get the mail and then yeah. you come back. No, yeah. that's real. The walk is real. The yeah. walk is real. Yeah. Um, Did you have another uh, there is, but we're going to do that with the wrap up question. Okay. So. All right. So we've just got a few more minutes. I, I was... Wondering um, in our remaining minutes, if you have a couple of thoughts about what are the things that you think leaders should know, hmm. but people are afraid to tell them. Go. Hmm. Uh, whenever you get that, you know, you have that instinct like you're going to get somebody and you kind of go, oh, gotcha. If you get that feeling, don't do it. Mm -hmm. you know, that's That should be your cue to, to sit back and. Mm -hmm. and uh, think again mm -hmm. check mm -hmm. yourself mm -hmm. yeah Bernard thoughts about what leaders are should know and people are afraid to say tell them um, that's a good question and and 
him. You had a good response. I think how I would respond is, you know, no matter how much you can't stand that colleague or that person, um, they matter. So you're going to have to suck it up. You're going to have to suck it up. Um, and, and more importantly, it's, it's really not about you, right? It's, it's, it's not about you. Um, when you're in your role, um, no matter how mad they've made you, no matter how, you know, manipulative they've been, um, you have to, you have to find the resistance and and shake it off because it's, it's really not about you. Your, your, um, your broken relationship with that person or that division, um, could really hurt things for students. Yeah. That's right. And, and you need to, you need to own them. The other thing I think I would say is always value the people who give, take the time to give you critical feedback directly. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy just to, you know, can you believe what he did? Right. Or right. You know, talk about it around the corners and never deal with it directly. And it's never fun to have somebody sit down and tell you that, you know, <laughs> they don't like something you're doing, but, um, it takes a lot. And so I think you have to value that. And, it takes a lot of courage to do that. Exactly. People are afraid to do that. And yeah, yeah I, I find I need to invite it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. then, and then stop that little urge when I hear it, like you're talking about, oh, that's yeah. You just have to accept it. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just say thank you. Right. right. Yeah, I had uh, Jonathan Poulard. I don't know some of you might know him. He was <clears throat> in student affairs and I had the pleasure of working with him for a few years. And one thing he said to me, and boy, did I hate every second of it. He's like, when someone is frustrating you or something's bothering you, it's it's a mirror of something inside of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so how do you look into yourself of why that's bothering you so much and how can you move differently mm-hmm. from that space? So, boy, this sticks with me today. And those mirrors, they're really tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, super tough. So um, last question for, for our time together. Um, and from the audience, right, what are the top three challenges or challenges you see happening in the next couple of years? So I'm going to mix challenges with hope for the future mm-hmm. because I feel like the challenges bring us hope. Mm-hmm. So what would you all see as that challenge hope for our future? Bernard, you're going to go first. I'm going to go first. Yeah. I hope that we can get back to the place where collaboration and connection was the foundation of everything that that we do because we need to work together um more and better um we need to to do those things i hope um and know that this will be true is that we stop looking at our situations as doom and gloom um but yet as opportunities to do things differently because life has shown us at least over the last three years that um, we can do different and we can pivot. Um, And then I hope, I really do hope that we curtail this idea that there is no value in higher education um, and and there is no value in, in diversity, equity, and inclusion. I really do we've stood the test of time um, with a number of these issues before and i believe that we can we can do those again and we have to we have to be willing to lean into that and to challenge that because if if there were no value in those things i i wouldn't be able to sit here um someone who looks like me um who didn't have the experiences that others have had i, I wouldn't be able to sit here and so i hope that that we can we can continue to fight and push those things 
I hope we find a way to continue to keep students at the center of what we do. And um, I think it's easy sometimes when I, I say that, I, I think sometimes staff in particular here will put their needs above mine. And that's not what I mean. It's more about um, understanding what the impact of a decision is going to be on the life of students, right? And um, and then making your decisions around that. And sometimes it's, you know, uh, you're going to have to decide to do something differently or you know it's if you know it's going to have a negative impact on students well then it, you know then you have to think about what what do we do to alleviate that in other ways so it's it's not about demeaning or diminishing your values or your your time but it's just keeping that at the center i think that helps make decisions um the second is uh, kind of related to what you said bernard about dei work and, and the importance and i i can't imagine that not being a central focus of the field, but I, with these challenges, I think we have to, we've got to step up and find a way to mm -hmm. um, continue to have this conversation and advance and challenge and um, and support our colleagues who are in places where they're at risk if they try to do this work. Um, I'm really fortunate to be in Massachusetts and um, and have a supportive campus, but um, I, I think I hope we can find a way as a field to continue to have this be at the forefront and not give up on this conversation. Yeah. Wonderful. And we are at time. We've heard such good things today. Everything from be who you needed hmm. uh, in your career to um, see challenges and people not as problems, but as opportunities for caring and teaching to um, prepare to be as present for your family as you are for your colleagues and campus and follow us fails, bury the pager, I suppose. That's <laughs> yeah. The other good piece of advice. Uh, you have some very lucky students at Emerson and Prairie State with your leadership. We're so grateful for your generosity of time and, and spirit here today. Would you help me thank uh, both Bernard and, and Jim and then we'll, uh, we'll call it a session. Confidential is presented by Compass Group, produced by Corey Insko and Jen Fisher, with your hosts, Kelsey Harmon-Finn and Lauren Rollman.